0: Hello, and welcome to this special episode of KvikmindaPod, an Icelandic cinema podcast. I'm Rob Watts, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend Ellie Cawthorne. For this episode, we're discussing something brand new. Those of you with a movie subscription might have noticed that a new short film called Nest dropped recently, and it's by a White White Day director, Klina Palmason. So, of course, we assumed action stations and recorded a chat about it. You'll hear that chat in the second half of this episode, right after a little interview we did with Hlina himself. Please enjoy. Okay, so we're delighted here on Kvikminder Pod to say that we're joined by director Hlina Palmason. Welcome, Hlina. How's it going?
1: Thank you very much. It's going very well, thank you.
0: Fantastic. Well. We're very excited to have you and very excited because your short film Nest just dropped over here in the UK on Mubi. Um, And as Ellie will attest, we don't get a lot of Icelandic uh, films or short films easily available to watch. Mm. Uh, And so we were very excited that this happened. Uh, Mm. And we just wanted to have a chat with you all about it, really. So could you tell us, you know, what is it?
1: Well, I think, I mean, it's a short film yeah um but i think it's also i think it's all i think it will also be a video installation okay uh, because i think it's gonna be a little bit longer i'm still filming it so oh, yeah. uh, i still feel like filming it so i um so it might be something else also
0: so it's currently a twenty two minute short film that's what we can see isn't it
1: yeah and it and it was financed as being a short film
2: Mm. where did the where did the idea for the film come from because it's a lockdown project right
1: Yeah I mean it, it was it was called the lockdown project um but uh, I, I never said it was but um I think people read it as being one um and that's fine I didn't really I mean I live quite we live quite far away we we're on the southeast coast and it's quite um, isolated here so I didn't really um I have to admit that I really didn't feel the um, the the heaviness of the, the the covid as I think a lot of people did in the city. Um so it wasn't really a covid project for myself mm-hmm. uh, for myself it was more like um a way of spending time with my kids and um because they're growing up really fast and um uh and spending time with them it feels even more precious when time goes by so fast Mm. but it it was also i was exploring some new things i was i had i had been working on a project called godland um, for a very long time Uh, i started working on it in 2013 and we just finished it now Uh Uh, so it was i really wanted to do something that was more immediate where i could capture things um where i could be you know um, spontaneous where i could capture the seasons the weather and and just you know walk outside in the garden and film whenever i wanted uh, and try things out so I, I was trying to um the the space between like having an idea and 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 sort of um executing it um having making that space a much more much smaller, so I could just be very immediate yeah
0: sure, I suppose nine years between the beginning and end of of godland uh yeah. quite different to stepping outside your your back door and turning on a camera
1: <laughs> yeah, very different and uh because it can it can get get very heavy because you never know if you're i mean you have a feeling of it being something worth exploring and you have a feeling of it being interesting, but you never know if uh you know you never really know if it's gonna get it financed or or mm. you know or just what's going on in the world so yeah
2: mm. um you mentioned there obviously that it was a way of spending time with your kids and me and Rob I think when we watched nest we were trying to unpick how much of their conversation was improvised how much of it was directed um mm. can you tell us about the the approach there
1: yeah it is uh it is actually an approach it, it's it's um it's something that I was exploring and it was, um, how can I, because when we went filming, it was very like, sometimes they just did whatever they wanted. Sometimes I had an idea, sometimes they had an idea. And other times I, we did stuff and we filmed it again. So, but that didn't happen very often. And uh, normally we just did one take and then we just went home and, you know, made dinner. But otherwise there was, there was certain moments for example, the fall that we did like many, many, many times and it was um, it was, a, you know, a big stunt thing, you know, where we had Jonveder, um, who was my my stuntman, he came from Reykjavik, and we choreographed it and did it in two layers. So it was like really um, planned. Um, but the dialogue was, was uh, some of it was recorded there. Other dialogue was re-recorded uh, later in the process, where I uh, rewrote their text. So it's it's a very it's a I mean it's a fictional film, but it's it's based on on uh, I mean it's it's a personal film, but it's not private. It's not a mm. it's I wouldn't say it's a documentary. It's more mm. it's more of a, a fiction.
0: Um, sure, it's not it's not a home movie. You've not just you're not just documenting the daily lives of your kids, although it must be nice to have them on camera.
1: No. Yeah, exactly. But but I mean, it's very I think my my wife's grandfather told me that how precious it was to have it on, you know, have this film. Uh, But if that was never in my mind, it's a great surprise. But but I was just exploring with the kids and having fun and and testing some things out. I was thinking about in my filmmaking and. And uh, yeah, spending time, they they wanted a treehouse and, um, you know, so.
2: <laughs> they get a treehouse, you get a movie, everyone's a winner. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> everyone's happy.
2: How did they yeah. find the experience? Are they pretty willing to be directed by you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're getting quite used to it. Um, I mean, with me personally, f- filmmaking is, is, is very much uh, connected with just our ordinary life i mean uh, there is i always try to have a balance in my life and work but uh, but I, I do make films with my friends i do make um, i do uh, collaborate with uh, people every day i film a little bit every week i i so it's so they they are a big part of the process and my and Ida, my my oldest who just turned 14 yesterday uh is has been in both um also my features, also my actually my voice, but the smaller parts. Yeah. So it is kind of a family, family thing. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're very big fans of, of Ida's performance in a white, white day. That's such a, such a fantastic film um, and a brilliant performance of course. Yeah. Thank you. Is she going to continue acting after Godland?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, she She's interested in it, but um, I mean, she has, she's, She's very much into horses. Uh, she's she was uh, during the summer. The whole I haven't really seen her the whole summer. She's been in uh, training for uh, training horses, and uh, uh, so she takes that very seriously. Also competing. So, uh, but so it's totally up to her. But uh, I mean, we did the last Gotland together. We're we're working on something else now, and so she will at least work with me. Um, but if she gets something interested, interesting, I I, I think she would, she would think about it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But we're not, we're not looking for anything. It's not like, um, the the film world can be a strange world. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, and talking about a white, white day, obviously that film begins in, in much the same style as this one. We Mm -hmm. see Ingemunda building a house for his daughter and his granddaughter over a very long period of time through the changing seasons Mm -hmm. and weather what is it about that kind of device that style that you that you like so much cuz i uh, how long mm-hmm. how long was this film shot over actually
1: uh nest was um i think a little bit more than one and a half year ah. um uh almost 2 years and we really didn't know when it would end you know we but i think that's what we i think that's why i'm doing it i'm kind of exploring just you know watching and listening and seeing reacting actually and um, when you have um, when you have an object uh, and some characters and uh, the seasons and you have a lot to work with, you know, and there's a lot of things you can just respond to or, or or react to, and I really like doing that. And I I also did that with the White White Day. I had yes, I had a story, I had a narrative, I had a character, I had a lot of things I wanted to explore. I had, um, but there were still like I really like it when um, I just really like the feel of it being a mystery, not knowing exactly where to go, and uh, just uh, because I really want the process of making it to be really exciting, mm-hmm. um, because I think that reflects or it colors the film, like the, the, the exploration, the, the fascination, or, or, or you know, or even the passion of doing something that you were sort of exploring, or discovering.
2: So you mentioned earlier that this is gonna be an installation, so is what's happening at the moment we've had the twenty two minute film is the camera just still running essentially
1: well it's i mean it's um it's a large thirty five millimeter camera that i that I have here, and then i when i'm filming i i bring the camera out, i slide it on a plate, and then i film and at first, I was only u- using short ends I had a lot of short ends that were maybe you know thirty meters or something from a white white day so i was i was at first i was just using them you know Mm -hmm. i was just using um film short ends from from the film i did before to shoot nest um so i you you really have and that's one of the things that i really learned while, while doing this film like if you're gonna go out and film it really takes effort you know you have to carry the camera the lens the battery and it, often it's like crazy weather it's really cold and the the small house i built over the camera is more like a, it looks like uh what do you call like what do you call like a toilet outside
2: a privy or a shed
1: a shed <laughs> yeah. it's a really shitty shed <laughs> and um and it if it's raining it leaks and everything so i w- i could never like i could never like uh, leave things mm. there or so it's, it takes a lot of effort. And if you've been doing it for like one and a half year, or two years, it's really um, you really have time there to reflect. Uh, and that's often, and that's what I was coming at with the White White Day. If you, if you go and film the main location for two years, it's not only about filming it, it's also about just being there and thinking about the film and i think that's often what i'm trying to do i'm just i'm I'm using all kinds of ways to try to sort of dig deeper into the project just think about it more and um and uh, if you if you if you if you get to know a place um you you, so, you sometimes also have to figure out like when did when does this film take place you know is it uh, is it is it autumn or summer or or there's a huge difference in 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 in, in atmosphere and, and uh, expression, you know. So I'm also trying to figure that out,
0: and that yeah. that can be quite hard to tell with uh, the typical Icelandic changeable weather, I suppose. Especially mm. as someone from outside of Iceland, both White White Day and Nest are uh, quite rainy, snowy, windy. <laughs> yeah, um, it's quite hard to tell when we're in summer.
1: <laughs> yeah, summer is very short. Uh, summer is a pretty nice. I mean, the summer this year was was very sparse. It was very little. Uh, we almost didn't have a summer. But, but uh, yeah, we wait a long time. I think for spring. Uh, I even th- I even think there was a saying in in Iceland in the old days, like uh, like people were always saying, like, "Where is spring?" Like, you know, hopefully spring is soon here, because it was really the winter is long, mm. and um, yeah.
0: And is this nest? Um suitable year round is it somewhere is it a haven for for the kids and perhaps for yourself uh during the yeah the full year
1: the, yeah yeah it's being used every day it's uh, right it's right beside the house and it's um my my old friend daniel he 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 gave my kids because i don't have a we don't have a tv here so and he gave my sons um a playstation <laughs> um, so they have a playstation up in the treehouse now and the television sets nice wow. yeah so it's quite nice
2: <laughs> one thing we were going to ask you about was the kind of choice of what to include so how much footage mm-hmm. did you did you have that didn't make it in and then also in, not only in terms of the edit but also in terms of the composition of the shot so quite often we have things that are happening like fireworks or piano playing mm-hmm. but they're off screen so how did you make those mm-hmm. decisions about what to include and what not to I
1: I think there are there are certain traditions that I mean there I think there's a process that is very like um you know the process of the treehouse being built mm-hmm. and I mean that's that's also just um a way of of um imagining like because there I think you're always working with a balance of like okay you don't want it to be too romantic but you don't want it to be cynical. You have to find the right balance, and the balance is always your your own balance in what you think, what what sort of what do you like. But you're but you're always trying to somehow get surprised by the material. So it's it's a it's a sometimes it's like just go, when when we're going to the what do you call it the garbage site, and maybe you find a fire firefighter helmet, and it's like a beautiful firefighter helmet. Suddenly, you have a scene with a firefighter helmet. Uh, it's very often like that. It's very often something you just experience in life, and then you sort of uh, explore it in a scene in Nest. You know that is very much how we do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often it's not planned with Nest. It's it's more often uh, something that just happens. Uh, for example, when when they're cleaning up the place before. Um, one of the, the brother comes from Reykjavik after he his foot was broken. Uh, they are sort of collecting things all over, and then my my son is like throwing things into it, and and um, then it falls. Uh, then this is either something that happens or something we recreate from reality, mm. uh, something I experienced and I found really funny. So I say, <laughs> okay, let's do it again. Let's do it one more time. You know, something yeah. like that. Sometimes it's fake.
0: <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. You, I mean, we couldn't tell either way. And, you know, the the full gamut of emotions we've sort of run through in this film, from the, yeah, super funny to the crazy dramatic, yeah. as you mentioned, with the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, 22 minutes to pack all that in is quite, it's quite an impressive <laughs> feat, I must say.
1: Yeah, but, but the, I wanted it to be like a slice of life, like uh, to experience time, to experience you know, these these various motions we have, you know. So that's good if it, it if it does that.
0: Yeah. For sure. One of the things I wanted to ask about, obviously you worked on a White White Day with you know, Iceland's biggest actor, Ingvar Sigerson. What, yeah, I mean, I, basically, we're just big fans. Especially, I am. Uh, what's it <laughs> yeah, like to work with Ingvar?
2: <laughs> We've seen a lot of his movies on this podcast. So. This is
0: true. <laughs>
1: okay, that's good. That's good. No, I mean, he is—he is absolutely um, the best. Uh, He's—he's um, a good friend, and uh, I, I love collaborating with him. And I—and I think it's mutual. I think we really like working together, and uh, it's just a it's just a really um i mean the thing is that when you're working it's it's really nice if you have someone you can write for mm-hmm. um you know if you if you have a good reader if he's a really good reader it's like really ins- um inspiring to write for him um mm-hmm. and i have that with inkwar and it's very giving um, for me so i just love writing for him i really like pushing pushing it like uh, almost towards something that is like almost, almost to it just falls apart. And uh, because he is capable of like, um, he's both extremely physical, uh, he's like a great physical actor, uh, but also he's just like extremely emotionally present, you know, and the balance of that is just something that is really great writing, Mm -hmm. writing for, for me. So
2: as Rob said, we've watched quite a few of his films so far on this podcast, and we've seen like a big range of amazing Icelandic films. But what are some of your own inspirations, Icelandic ones specifically?
1: Well, I I really, to be 100% honest, I really wasn't, you know, that into Icelandic cinema um, when I grew up. Um, Not because it not because I didn't like it, it was just uh i was i was more interested in something else mm. um but i mean i have a favorite i have a favorite um film uh which is uh Ah, uh, uh, oh, alpinoi yeah.
0: yes one of my favorites uh, as well
1: yeah it's it's like our me and my my wife really like that film it's a, it's like uh it's like a christmas film you know it's you, can, you, <laughs> could, you could watch it every Christmas.
0: I think we could watch many all sorts of Icelandic films at Christmas. There's always at least yeah. one scene set at Christmas, and it's my favourite place <laughs> to be at Christmas. So uh, yeah, in, in my house, Noé Albanoi Echo, yeah, they're both they're both on the Christmas list for sure. That's uh, good. That's
1: good. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a winter film. Mm. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: and what can you tell us then about Godland? Because is it going to get a UK release this year? Can we can we hope to see it soon?
1: I don't know how. Uh, there's always something that that I'm not supposed to say, um, <laughs> and then there's something that we don't know. But I, I think it's. I think it goes in cinemas uh, next year. Brilliant. But I think we're going to screen it before. I think we have a festival there in October.
0: Oh, fantastic! Well, we'll be keeping an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, but to see to see one of your films in the cinema will be yeah a, a dream. I suppose yeah. it will be it'll be amazing. Yeah,
1: really. Uh, I hope you see it, Gotland, in the cinema rather than on the screen. Yeah, we, we, we did our best to make it work on the big screen. So hopefully.
0: Yeah, and from the trailer, it looks absolutely beautiful. Could you could you just sort of give us a quick synopsis of, of what it is? What can we expect? Because it's obviously very different from Nest.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, it's a period. Uh, it's a period film, which is new for me. Um. It's so funny when you when you when you just finish something it's often very hard to talk about it um, sure. or I find it very you know one day I um, I can talk about it another one I can't mm-hmm. but I mean as you can hear I'm like uh, <laughs> God, Godland is, is is something that um I feel like it's a it's a step it's a step somewhere mm-hmm. and it, we're really proud of it and um I watched it, in... Uh, I actually watched it with my two sons in um, Carlo Ivare. We were we were there at a festival, and um, it was really nice seeing it. Um, my boys were quite; t- they're nine years old, so they they I, I I'm not sure if if uh, they liked it that much. <laughs> uh, but but uh, it was a very good experience seeing it, and I and I really. Really hope that um, people get a chance to see it in the cinema, and not, not at home. Yeah. Because it's different. Yeah.
0: We will uh, we'll do our best to make people go and see it. Yeah. Oh, well, well. Thank you so much, Lena. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure to talk to you.
1: You too. And, and good luck with, uh, with the podcast. It's a wonderful thing you're doing. Oh,
0: my God! You. I have get you. Hopefully, that's wet your appetite significantly to go away and watch Nest before returning for our discussion about it, which is coming right up. But just a heads up that we did record our chat before we spoke to Helena, so please forgive any questions which may have already been answered. Hi Ellie. Hi Rob. We're back.
2: We are indeed in the middle of a heatwave.
0: In the middle of a heatwave, watching a film that goes through all the seasons, but is mostly cold.
2: It was a bit of relief actually from what was happening outside to watch this film.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a little bit too cold for my liking, I think, at times. Uh, But what I should say is we're back for this one kind of standalone episode for the time being. Because an Icelandic thing got released in the UK. (laughs) Woohoo! I can't quite believe it. It just came as a complete surprise, dropping on Mubi a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, well, there's something for us to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's by somebody whose work we have enjoyed before, which is even better.
0: Yeah. Cleaner Palmason, who directed A White, White Day, Kvita Kvita Dagur. Uh, And it's kind of, it kind of takes a few of the, or at least one central uh, concept from the start of that film Mm -hmm. and kind of uses it for the whole thing. So this is a short film and it's called Nest. It's 22 minutes long, which Mm. we like very much.
2: It's great. You can, you know, just watch it before breakfast, if you're me.
0: You can. You can stick it on instead of an episode of Parks and Recreation or (laughs) whatever. I'm watching Nathan for you at the moment. but uh, I'm watching,
2: again, 22 minutes crashing on Channel 4. It's not that great. No. But... When it's 22 minutes, it doesn't you just, matter. You
0: just shove it on, yeah. and then you've seen it, and it's done. <laughs> um, and yeah, this was fantastic use of 22 minutes, I yeah. must say. So, why don't you explain what it is?
2: So, okay. Oh, I wasn't expecting to be put on the spot on this. <laughs> um So, essentially, it's one frame. We have one shot, mm-hmm. but we skip through time, and we see... The building and then the living in i guess or uh, of like a, a tree house essentially which is the titular nest but it's not really a treehouse. i guess it's just kind of a it's kind of like a cabin on a stick <laughs> in the middle of nowhere because it's not really in trees it's like if a tree house didn't have any trees around it
0: yeah exactly
2: And basically, we see three kids who we infer are siblings, or Mm -hmm. I inferred were siblings, um, playing there, things happen, which maybe we'll talk about, and we kind of follow their progress.
0: Yeah, that's it. Over the course of 18 months, I found out.
2: Okay, I didn't, I couldn't nail down that timeline exactly. Yeah,
0: but it's very clear, and we'll talk about the weather at some point, that we are going... Over a fair, um, fair old amount of time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: across yeah all the seasons and all the types of weather.
2: Oh yeah, totally. We have wind, rain, snow.
0: Mm-hmm. There is some sunshine.
2: There is some sunshine.
0: Uh, yeah, but we'll come back to that. So you said it's not a treehouse. I guess it's not because it's basically just a torn down telegraph pole <laughs> with a cabin on the top. It's mm-hmm. not. I like what I liked about the building of it is that they're not like nailing. You know, planks of wood together. In comes this crane and it just drops almost a pre-made house on top of a stick.
2: It looks amazing, to be fair. I'd love to hang out in that.
0: Yeah, it'd be wicked, wouldn't it? Mm. The kids obviously enjoy it. And so I was. if we go back to the beginning, basically this film came about because director Palmasong, he got to lockdown and was like, great.
2: Decided to build a cabin on a stick.
0: He did. And you know why? Because all his other features and things all got kind of shut down and he just wanted to make a film that he could do instantly, immediately, yeah. uh, something that could, I mean, I guess also pass the time with his kids. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: oh, so this is like the kind of lockdown teaching at home or like lack of childcare.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: you need to, you're a filmmaker and you've got three kids at home. What are you going to do? Just make a film and put them in it.
0: Pretty much. You find a camera. 35mm camera stick it on a fixed pole mm. and uh, and then just tell your kids you're going to build them a treehouse and see what happens
2: yeah so actually that was one of my questions to you mm. we learn at the end don't we that these are his kids because they hold up a sign that's like a kind of credit sign that says yes, yeah our dad wants to thank these people but so from what you said there is this actually kind of quite I imagine there are there are narrative elements that aren't documentary style, but mm. is it more documentary style than I had realised? Like, is he just watching what happened or did he kind of direct them in their kind of, we see a lot of scenes of them mucking around, mm. annoying each other, bantering, fighting, which felt incredibly naturalistic. Yeah. But I assumed were not incredibly naturalistic.
0: Well, I think it's, it is really hard to tell Like, you could easily just watch this as a piece of fiction. Mm -hmm. But I think it's kind of somewhere in between. Like, obviously, the whole premise was that they are going to build a treehouse and live in it. Or play in it, rather. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I think it's a combination of scripted moments, scripted beats, Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, letting the kids mess around with with this thing that their dad's building for them. Mm -hmm. Should we talk about those kids? Mm -hmm. So we've got Ida, Grimur, and Thorgils. They're all... Thor
2: Gills is a great name. <laughs> Thor Gills. Thor
0: Gills. I wonder if he's known as Thor. Or Gills. Gills. Hmm.
2: Probably Thor. Probably.
0: And they are, yeah, they're the director's three children.
2: The dynamic between them is amazing to watch. Just like, it's like any siblings. I mean, you're one of three. Yeah. So you'd know better than me. Was it like that fighting all the time?
0: Well a little bit I certainly this whole film evoked my childhood in in many ways just yeah faffing around (laughs) you know with with my brother particularly just sit you know it's that whole especially in the autumn that idea of like oh it's not much to do the sun's going down but we're not Mm -hmm. going home let's just you know run around fight have a chat you know yeah um yeah it felt very very naturalistic in that way um and I think Ida clearly is the eldest of the three. And then the two are twin brothers. Oh, so that's I didn't an interesting that. dynamic. Mm. But she certainly acts slightly older than the three yeah, of them. Yeah,
2: definitely. But that's that classic thing of you're like, I'm eight and you're six. And when you're eight, you'll understand. <laughs> you know, that kind of dynamic, wasn't there? Yeah. I really enjoyed those moments. There's a bit where one of the, one of the boys says to her, you know, are you impressed with this thing? She's like, no. And he says, do you think I'm strong? Look at how I'm carrying this. And she <laughs> says, no. <laughs> Which was, felt very true to life.
0: Very true. Yeah. And I think their introduction as well sets the tone for their relationship because they're just walking towards camera. Like the film is so beautifully composed. That one shot just so shows so much. But as they're walking to the camera, you can't really see them, but you can hear them chatting about mm. this one fish that one of them caught. <laughs> And how he's going to give it to mum, but she's going to give it to dad. And I just thought it was just brilliant where they were both Mm -hmm. kind of arguing their side as who it should go to, who should cut it. Mum won't like that, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very nice.
0: Yeah. And there's so much fun to be had with them. Mm -hmm. I just I love the way that they constantly running around swearing. You know, Mm -hmm. The, the boys especially are just like constantly throwing stuff or. And there's a great bit where one of them's picking up some firewood or just mm-hmm. bits of wood that were lying around and throwing them into the wheelbarrow. And he gets one and he's like, yes! Mm-hmm. And then he misses and he misses and he carries on. And then he puts the last one in and the wheelbarrow tips over. It's a classic moment.
2: Yeah, it's got some really nice kind of... It's really funny, isn't it? Actually? It is
0: really funny, yeah.
2: Um. And when they're talking about just the kind of stupid chat of kids talking about mm-hmm. vespers and whether vespers are cool or or if l- they're for old, old people for old lame
0: people <laughs> you know i actually googled whether that was true afterwards
2: what vespers are lame? for old people oh they were designed for old people who could i don't or... think
0: they are oh. but that's such a classic i've heard this somewhere so i'm just going to tell it like it's the truth yeah where they got that information from i don't know i guess the I guess the internet <laughs> But well, those chats are brilliant, and
2: it made me think a bit of Hearthstone. You know this idea of when you just live in a massively remote place, you can just let the kids kind of like roam free and yeah, and be on their own turf essentially, and kind of just uh, play by their own rules and just be like, see you back at tea time, bye. It had that sense to it
0: completely, yeah. And did, you did rec- did you recognise Ida herself?
2: No, because we didn't get to see much close-up shots, which is probably worth mentioning about the cinematography.
0: That's true, yeah. But Ida is...
2: I know what you're going to (laughs) say. I've worked it out. Yeah,
0: I took too long trying to remember (laughs) the name of her character. Go on then.
2: Uh, Is she in A White, White Day? She is. The the main child.
0: Yeah, Salka. I think we said in the podcast at the time that she was the director's daughter Mm. and she's obviously making... Headway with her acting mm-hmm. uh, both improvisational and you know scripted, and she is coming up in another Palmmesan film shortly feature film okay, um so hopefully at some point we'll get to talk about that. it's called godland, but yeah she I thought just thought she was fantastic again, you know, at least able to be herself for the most part <laughs> yeah. um and talking of fun moments, one of my favorite moments and the most satisfying moments was when the kids are lifting that random wheel or disc oh, big yeah. metal disc yeah they're lifting it um no the first moment they're on top of the treehouse, and they drop it and mm-hmm. it makes this amazing just thud yeah that was the most satisfying sound uh, as it hit the ground but then what like five or six scenes later we return to it and they're lifting it back up and the three of them just make like the chuckle brothers <laughs> yeah just like there is
2: a lot of chuckle brothers dynamics here
0: yeah but they're it's because they're trying to be proactive but mm-hmm. they're not always uh that successful but lifting mm-hmm. that disc back up and they're almost there and it sort, totally surprised me actually when it fell out of the Same. of the ropes and yeah. it's just it was just <laughs> eda's face and her reaction yeah. were just perfect like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> loved it
1: of
2: them should we talk about the cinematography I think we should something that struck me was as you say there was um quite a big similarity with a, a white white day mm. in this idea of just having a static shot that we flick through time in um which really this gave that sense of kind of passing time like it was used for in a white white day as well
0: yeah it's like the opening five ten minutes of a mm-hmm. white white day we see a barn being constructed a house yeah. essentially an old barn or something turning into a house from one position across however long and that is yeah essentially the concept of this and it just i mean obviously you have to think about the com- composition of that shot because we're going to be watching it for yeah 22 minutes and to have this dominant like pole in the Mm. middle makes for such a perfect kind of image you know that that's what we're going to be focused on but there's so much going on around it in the frame yeah you've got the distance you have got the mountains like i said and the river and then the grass and it gives you just it's so perfectly composed you have three sort of different layers and then this bold central kind of
2: had a kind of Wes Anderson vibe, actually, as a shot, don't you think?
0: Yeah, the, the symmetrical nature yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Very much. And it, I think it's just stunning to look at, the whole thing. I loved that it was 35mm. I loved even just the rounded mm-hmm. corners of the frame where it's obviously Which on definitely
2: as well then make the nest sit much more kind of centrally in terms of filling the whole frame. Mm-hmm.
0: It's amazing. And I, I just don't know, because that camera does not move. We're watching this for eighteen months, and as far as I can see, every single time the the shot changes, the scene changes. It's like, ooh, and it change, can change within like a couple of seconds sometimes. I'd be interested to know how exactly how many different cuts we have throughout the film. But as it's doing that, there's no wobbling of the pole. It's always slap bang in the middle, concrete, so, concrete, <laughs> and just. But the amount of the weather that we see, the wind and yeah. the snow, nothing seems to be phasing that camera so i know Mm. it's very cool
2: very cool
0: um and it looked yeah it looked like every every frame could be a picture yes it was yeah absolutely beautiful looking and because of the way it's composed we get to see with the same shot in all these different elements and different Mm. scenarios and situations and it's it is so beautifully done i don't know whether he was out there adjusting for light and things every single day i mean probably had Enough time, but it does feel like he's just let a camera go. Mm. But every shot is just beautiful. Whether you've got like uh, moments when the sun is out and it's like green, mm. brown, and yellow, and like very autumnal looking, mm. or it's like nighttime but the sun's not setting so in summertime nighttime and it's like pink gray and blue and
2: with the fairy lights that are then put on the Mm cabin it's amazing
0: it is it's stunning absolutely stunning and then even the shots where it's just the silhouette of the pole and then the nest itself every every shot is just beautiful i could have i could look at it all day every day (laughs) you know put it on repeat put it on repeat well i was glad to watch it again i must say um, it would be quite a nice thing to have on in the background, actually, because you don't need to hear most of it. Uh, it's just like watching a moving picture. Mm-hmm. But like I say, it, it lets us see all this, the different weather, which we have spoken about plenty on the podcast. But yeah, we've got snowstorms. Yeah. We've got, what, pissing it down.
2: <laughs> I loved it with the snow, which, you know, by English terms would be pretty hefty snow. Yeah. And they're like, this snow is pathetic. It's oh, so it's so dry. dry. <laughs>
0: I I know what that means, what he means, though. You know, it's not good. You can't make a nice snowball out of it. And even a snowman, although they do build quite a decent looking snowman. So it's not bad, is it? And they're always just wearing basically all weather gear. Doesn't matter what time of year it is. They're just out there in either like wellies and a jumper or wellies and a Mac. Mm. And I think it's just really interesting to see if you live in that area of Iceland or even if just anywhere in Iceland, you're probably going to have to.
2: Be prepared.
0: Yeah. And with the seasons comes, like, the nature as well. There's quite a lot of nature in this mm. film. Uh, I think we see multiple horses.
2: Oh, the old Icelandic horse. Know all about those now. Do, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh do, and, and tons and tons of types of birds. Like, there's definitely crows, geese. Uh, there's a little duck, which Ida's playing mm. with. Uh, and plenty of other sort of huge swarms of birds that as not an ornithologist, I've got no idea what they mm. are. But it's it's quite amazing to see what birds are where at what time of year. Mm. Um and even just to hear the crows like squeaking or well, crowing. cooring Yeah. When that's the only thing you can hear. It's like the wind and then the <laughs> or whatever it <laughs> that is. That
2: sounded more like a pig. Well, when I
0: was when I was in Acuri once in, in the winter time, I it was so dark and there were no streetlights in this park that I was at, and all I could hear was like oinking. I was like, I actually started to wind myself up and get a bit scared that they were like pigs Demon on the loose. Pigs. Like they don't have wild pigs in Iceland, do they? This was a while ago before I learned, but turns out it was the crows. But they don't yeah. they don't sort of go car. They have some oh, sound wow. in the middle of the car and the and the, the squeal. I'll have to hear it
2: to believe it.
0: Yeah, I can't really do a good uh, representation of it, I'm afraid. Uh, but yeah, the crows are there, sort of adding to the kind of isolation, I suppose. Like mm-hmm. this place is just yeah. desolate, and kind of conjures up images of Hitchcock's *The Birds* as well. Oh, for did it, it for you. Yeah, filmically. when they're
2: moving as a as a gang.
0: Yeah, and just perched quietly and perhaps suspiciously on top mm-hmm. of a kid's kind of plaything. Mm. pretty creepy at points but on the subject of birds it really reminded me of I don't know if you know the Bristol artist Stephen Gill no. he had a retrospective at the Arnolfini in Bristol recently actually which is where I saw most of his kind of photographs for the first time as a photographer and he has this one series of images where he's just left a camera on a pole in a field um. and it goes off when it detects motion mm. and some of the photos are amazing you get birds doing the most incredible things like birds of prey and the tiny little ones just captured in mid-flight and it really reminded me of that and that's a beautiful series of photos if you haven't ever seen it the artist is stephen gill he's amazing i have to check it out so yeah i'd be interested if uh helena palmerson has even encountered stephen (laughs) gill's work because yeah i'm sure it's a common device sticking a camera on a pole but um Mm yeah very much a resemblance there
2: interesting yeah
0: 22 minutes, but it runs the sort of full length of emotions and kind of dramatic highs and lows, doesn't it? Mm.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's one defining moment, I would say.
0: Oh, yeah. Of this film. Because we've talked about how it's quite funny quite a lot. Yes. But it's not a funny moment. No, 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 no.
2: So there's one, I would say, shocking moment because, again, um, so we're going to go into spoiler territory there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's probably it's the funny. only thing that's really a spoiler in this film.
2: So, after we see the kids kind of mucking around for so for so long, we then see one of the boys climbing onto the roof because the other has thrown his hat on the roof. Classic. What
0: a dick move. Brother. Oh, it's a classic.
2: <laughs> An absolute classic. But obviously, this has all been really naturalistic and, like you say, almost like a documentary mm. style. So, I think it kind of takes a turn here, doesn't it? Or a departure, where then basically you see him climb up the roof then slip off the roof Mm. and then you know we cut to black so we don't see anything after which is quite a classy but also quite a kind of shocking moment and way of doing it because you're left like what happened you're not given any kind of additional context and the next time we pick up there's just the two other kids so you're left wondering
0: yeah what on earth happened to uh whichever one of the brothers fell down.
2: And we very much know from our time doing this podcast that Icelandic filmmakers are not afraid of child death, are they? No,
0: very much not. No, that did cross my mind, actually. Um, But yeah, it's what out of nowhere almost. You're like, Mm. they've been quite sensible up to that moment, building bridges and just carefully going about their stuff. Not that
2: sensible. Well,
0: okay. Well, not to the extremes of climbing on top of a bloody... yeah you know precarious little nest uh but that was tr- it's a truly shocking moment yeah before it cuts the black he's falling for a good couple of seconds
2: it re- it made me think actually of the moment in metalhead oh, yeah. where the brother gets churned by the combine mm. harvester where it's like over so quickly that you're almost like huh? did yeah. that just happen did i just see that did that did i imagine it
0: completely it is yeah it's a- just a quick moment of pure shock, and on we go, that happened, let's move on. And then we don't see him for ages and ages. And I
2: I was interpreting all events like, well, you know, the two kids together here now, oh, their brother's dead, so that's probably... Really? You actually
0: did go through the rest of the film?
2: Yeah, I was thinking that must be what's happened here, and that's what this is going to be about. It's about rebuilding a sanctuary after a loss or something, you know, and how... Mm. That should have been the place they hated, but actually it was a sanctuary and a nest for them. So I was convinced that that's what had happened.
0: Well, I mean, it is that in many ways anyway, Mm. whether or not the brother died. But they would have been some resilient kids to be just straight back out there. Uh, I feel we probably would have had at least one darker moment where they're discussing something.
2: Yeah, we don't know the... Stretch of time they're doing, don't know when we're picking back up as well.
0: You wouldn't know you're watching 18 months worth of footage, like you can tell we're moving through time, but not Mm. to that extreme. Mm. So, yeah, I wonder how long he was out (laughs) because he comes back and he's got his foot in a cast, and then they just carry on doing stupid shit, yeah,
2: which was really joyful. And when they're winching, they winch him up because he can't climb the ladder because <laughs> yeah. he's got his foot in a cast, as you say, and him kind of swinging around. Oh, my on God. <laughs> so They've they not learned anything.
0: It's also not the most obvious way to get him up there. If he can use one foot, he yeah. probably get up that ladder.
2: Yeah, I was thinking that too. But it wouldn't have the boy's own adventure feel, being winched up on a rope, would it?
0: No. They're by turns clever and kind of resourceful as they build their bridge and they're kind of helping Dad do bits for the for the thing. But at other times they clearly are just silly kids not thinking about the dangers of kind of anything. Um which is exactly how it is, I suppose. Mm. And they're yeah, they're amazing. Well, I don't think we ever see Dad, do we?
2: No, only as a kind of referred to figure.
0: Yeah. He's he's just off camera. We know he's there. And he's obviously aware of what they're up to generally. Obviously, we know as he's the director, he's kind of on top Mm. of everything. But he could just as well be in the house watching Mm. telly the whole time. No idea what the kids are doing. But what I also liked is off camera, we we hear a little bit of music at one point. Here's some piano music for about, yeah, five seconds. Of course, we have to go through Christmas and New Year because this is an Icelandic film. So we see Mm. the kind of light from fireworks we don't yeah. see fireworks from new year but we hear and see them and i thought that was a really fun way to do that and the kids yeah. are all watching with like glee Whoa. from their amazing vantage point that their dad's given them for this amazing mm. moment and yeah the whole thing is just a a joy yeah. to watch isn't it
2: a lovely 22 minutes <laughs>
0: Right then, there you go. Cleaner Palmason's Nest, uh, a short film which has now come to MUBI here in the UK, having debuted at the Berlin Film Festival earlier this year. And everyone who listens to this podcast can watch it for free.
2: Yeah, like me. What you can do is go to MUBI, um, MUBI.com slash Fikminderpod and then you can get a 30-day free trial. And there's loads of good stuff on there.
0: There's so much good stuff on MUBI at the moment. Like rams under the tree i think echo is on there as well uh, all films we've discussed but also you know just fucking some classics
2: other non-icelandic films as well if you're so inclined
0: non-icelandic films but if you don't want to stray too far there's Joachim trier's oslo trilogy which ends with the worst person in the world ah. so they're all three of them are on there great and they're all amazing are the
2: other two as good
0: they are they're not as good but they are still brilliant
2: I'm personally going to watch, it's not Scandinavian. That's okay. Benedetta.
0: Oh, I watched that recently. It's, it is great. Yeah.
2: Because I love just um, ridiculous and exploitation. Yeah. Bring it on.
0: And the master of exploitation, Paul Verhoeven, he's, yeah, he's like 90 or something now, but he's making <laughs> these films that are at once like extremely watchable, but they're going to upset a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> yeah that's fantastic so yeah movie.com slash to watch this for free and then whatever you want for 30 days uh, and we will be back at some point soon with a with a new series so keep, keep your eyes hanging
2: keep them on tenterhooks
0: <laughs> there's a lot of people waiting i know that for a fact so thanks ellie and i'll see you in a bit
2: see you later
0: That was Nest. We had a great time with it, and we'd love to hear your thoughts too, so please get in touch. We're on Instagram and Twitter, at kvikminderpod, that's K-V-I-K-M-Y-N-D-A-P-O-D, and we also have a Kofi page if you'd like to support us. Our huge thanks to Hlina Palmerson once again for taking the time to sit down with us, and we wait with great anticipation for his next feature film, Godland, to arrive here in the UK. Until Series 4, Kobles. Thanks and goodbye.